You're listening to the podcast of East River Park Christian Church. If you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry, please visit us at eastriverpark.church. We pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in Christ through the local church. And there's Abimelech, but we're not Abimelech. Yeah. There's a. It's like you're clearing your throat. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, y'all ready? Yeah. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Behind the Message with Jason and Chris and Jason. It is. He's back. <laughs> the two Jasons are back. Um, it's gonna make this podcast a lot better. Uh, Matthew tried to get in this time, and we're like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> we have our three, and you're not allowed him back on the podcast. Um, no, I did tell him he could join, but maybe he'll join after he gets back from his vacation next week. So, um, And we do have a little plug-in for our fourth mic. It would be interesting what it would be like to have four of us in here. We don't have a fourth mic, though. Yeah, but Matthew, oops. If you want to be in here, you got to get your own microphone. So, just as a warning to everyone before we begin this podcast, my children are here. Mm-hmm. You can probably hear them in the background. I threatened uh, to cancel Christmas if they interrupt the podcast. Um, I didn't. But, <clears throat> anyways, so this past Sunday, uh, we did the Harvest Festival. This was the second year that we've done the Harvest Festival. We did it. Um, a little more different than we did last year. Actually, quite a bit more different than we did last year. Oh, yeah. You don't remember last oh, year, Oh, I do you? remember. Last year, we did it closer to Halloween. It was up here by the church. We had, like, fire trucks and armored police cars. That part was cool. And we had popcorn. We had popcorn. And waffles. I did think about this past week. I thought, ooh, we should have got popcorn, but it was too late. And I wasn't going to do it. Thank you. Um, we had, yeah, we had waffles. Just so people, no one's going to care about this, but we we thought it would be fun as staff. We like planned it around Parks and Rec. You ever watch that show? Oh, yeah. So Leslie, Leslie Nope does the Harvest Festival. Um, and we're like, we kind of, I made the logo to match the Harvest Festival logo from Parks and Rec. You know how many people caught wind of all that? No one. <laughs> so that was okay. <laughs> We did waffles because Leslie Nope likes waffles. That's why we did waffles last year. This year we just were like, hey, let's just do a normal church harvest festival. (laughs) But that's what it is. Um, Baker, you were unable to join us. This question, I guess, is not for you. Well, actually. um, Yes, you can add. Well, let me ask the question. The answer will have no context. (laughs) The simple question was, what's your favorite part of the the Harvest Festival? So, go ahead. We weren't able to attend. Um, One of our friends online actually posted um, their son having one of the pumpkins and was actually asking their family to pray over the country that was on the pumpkin. Yeah. So, that was really cool to see that. And if, if people don't know what we're talking about, we had a bunch of tiny little pumpkins. We wrote a bunch of unreached people groups. Groups I did not write them. Katie 
Perry wrote them. Um, she did not sign up for that. I was just like, here, Katie, here's, <laughs> you know, 50 pumpkins. Can you write <laughs> these countries that are hard to spell on them? <clears throat> so she graciously did all that. Um, and then at some point after the meal, we gathered everyone together, explain it. Chris also did not sign up for this. Uh, I asked Chris to pray uh, over the unreached people groups. And then the children took them, painted them. And then they were supposed to take them home and pray for them. So apparently it actually happened. What we did not anticipate is like the the countries were written on sharp with on the pumpkins with sharpies. And as soon as the kids got them, they just like dumped paint all over the pumpkin. And then you're like, well, I hope you remember what country you got. So that's okay. That's okay. Chris, how about you? What was your favorite part? Um, food was on point. I know you were going to say Chili it, was... Yep. Lots of good shit. I ate too. Well, it's funny that you t- asked me to pray after I just ate like 20 bowls of chili. You're kind of burping like, up yeah. some beans. <laughs> but um, yeah, food uh, and hanging out with, with some of my favorite people. It was awesome. Uh, who's who's your not, who's like your least favorite person that was at the Harvest Festival? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> no, I agree. Um, I was just going to say, I was... I apologize to staff after the event because I was just super anxious about this event mm. for whatever insane reason <laughs> and wasn't in the best mood beforehand. Um, so, and I'm I'm anxious about every church event. That's why, and nothing over nothing important. It's not like the souls attending this event. It's like we got enough chili. Um, so, but my favorite part was the food because I was so stressed out about it and then like there's a whole bunch of these crock pots and I was oh, super yeah. worried like that we were gonna uh, ruin the electricity down there mm. plugging in a hundred crock pots but uh, I texted Gordon and Savannah and they brought their um, generator. generator so we were good so but I was gonna mention this an unexpected s- surprise there's certainly several people I didn't know there and introduced myself but there was this one family and I introduced myself to this lady and just asked like if they're from the area what you know how they hear about the Harvest Festival and there the the lady and she had children and then her boyfriend and then another friend were was with her she said that they were on Facebook looking for a chili cook-off and saw ours and came in to enter her chili cook-off. And I was like, all right, well, look, I'm not judging. So if you don't win, please don't be mad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everyone else is here just, you know, having fun. Put, I'm sure they put in a lot of work. I know Dalton, who won, put in a ton of work. But I was like, man, to come to this event and enter your chili and then you don't win anything would be tough so i can confidently say nothing was rigged everyone voted and she won second place so pretty good she must have good chili by the time i got to it you know there were just scraps of chili left everywhere so but anyways yeah i thought that was pretty wild all right so first samuel um 
we've been in this book for the past five to ten years and uh it's been yeah on, i get every time i i check like facebook memories on sundays it's like over a year ago we're like in first samuel three you know just but we did take significant breaks but still in first samuel for a little while longer this past sunday was chapter 22 uh, six through ten my children are at the door i bet they're are they putting? What do y'all want? There goes Christmas. Yep, Christmas. It's canceled. You can't cancel Christmas. All right. So First Samuel twenty-two six through ten All right. uh, is the passage we were looking at. We're starting out. We're ready. Yeah, let's do it. All right. First question for you. Um, how was Saul fulfilling the prophecy of Samuel? All right. It's way too long to read, but people can look up 1 Samuel 8, uh, 10 through 18. And it was the prophecy of Samuel before they appointed a king that the king is not who they think he's going to be. He's going to take, he's going to enslave, he's going to take, take, take for himself. And what you see from Saul and 1 Samuel 22 as he, um, for whatever reason, when I first read this passage, the passage from this past Sunday, mm-hmm. I just thought of like Black Panther. I have no idea the movie, like Saul standing over there with his spear in hand <laughs> over his people. Um, <laughs> that's, that's what my insane brain thought of. <clears throat> okay. so Saul standing, he's got his spear, his beard, his beard, his spear, and he's looking over all of his servants, and he's talking about to the tribe of Benjamin. So the fulfillment of the prophecy, at least in some sense, is that Saul's desire is to take, take, take Mm -hmm. from God's people and just give it to his people, his tribe, the tribe of Benjamin. Um, So I, I can guarantee no one else thought Black Panther, but that was what initially... Maybe it was the spear that got me. So they had spears in Black Panther, right? Yeah. Okay. The Wakanda. female guards Wakanda. carried them around, but yeah, they... the guys didn't. I just thought of like uh, when they oh. wrestle, you know, where they're all standing there on the mountainside oh, yeah, and they're wrestling. Yeah, yeah. They all got the spears. Yeah. That I don't know. All right, whatever. Here nor there. It's not the Bible. Um, <laughs> it's a Marvel movie. All right, Chris. Who told Saul about Ahimelech? Doeg, the Edomite. Yeah. Um, which Doeg is first mentioned in 1 Samuel 21.7. And from that, verse, uh, we found out, or from that verse, we find out that Doeg is a servant of Saul. Uh, he is his chief shepherd. And we also learn that Doeg is not a Hebrew, but an Edomite. Yeah, that's good. All right, so that's just kind of the setup. <clears throat> I asked those questions, and this past Sunday, as we're teaching through narrative, it's hard to just teach this super long story. So we'll kind of recap the beginning part and then teach mm-hmm. through some of the core elements of that narrative. So the points and everything we built off of was in 1 Samuel 22, 11 through 23. And to kind of give us some framework um, for the message... Uh, we looked at the line of priests, the high priest. So mm-hmm. Baker, 
How did the line of priests even begin? So in Exodus 28, verses 1 through 3, it says, Then bring near to you Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the people of Israel to serve me as priests. Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar, and you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. You shall speak to all the skillful whom I have filled with the spirit of skill that they make that they make Aaron's garments to consecrate him for my priesthood. So it actually began with Aaron and his sons being set aside for the glory of God. And, you know, they were given the garments to, as an outward appearance of that. Yeah, which is really good. And um, I didn't bring it up Sunday because it's going to muddy the waters, but there's a passage where Jesus... So in this story, it's clear, Ahimelech is the high priest. But in the Gospels, Jesus references Abathar, his son, as the high priest. And you're thinking, like, well, did Jesus make a mistake? Um, is there a, was that an error in the text? And all of the answers to that are no. There's legitimate reasons why that's in the text. But if people are, I'm not going to answer it here because it wouldn't be, I, would, I, don't, I wouldn't give a clear answer, but if people are curious, they can look that up. I think it's a Mark's gospel. So, all right, yeah, that's great. And um, unless I change the, the main text for this coming Sunday, we'll continue to stick with the role of the priest. Hmm. We'll, we'll continue to, to be a theme, or not a theme, but be a part of the narrative. So, all right, uh, Chris. Yep. What did the high priest do on the Day of Atonement? Yom Kippur. Everybody strap in. Yep. Ready. Is that like strap in like seatbelt or put on yeah. a gun? Strap in with a seatbelt. It's going to be a minute. Yeah. No. Um, these details, of course, are located in Leviticus 16, 1-34. Uh, the high priest would perform a series of rituals uh, to atone for the sins of the people. Um, it would begin with the high priest entering the Holy of Holies. Um, this is the only day the high priest could could enter the Holy of Holies is on, on this day once a year. Uh, but before entering the tabernacle, the high priest was to bathe and he would put on uh, special garments. And then he would have to sacrifice a bull uh, for a sin offering for himself and his family. Um, the blood of the bull was to be sprinkled on the Ark of the Covenant. The high priest was to bring two goats, one to be sacrificed because of the uncleanliness and rebellion of the Israelites, uh, whatever their sins may have been. Um, and then its blood was sprinkled on the Ark of the Covenant. The other goat was used as a scapegoat, and you talked about that during your sermon. Uh, the high priest placed his hands on its head. He confessed over it the rebellion and the wickedness of the Israelites and sent the goat out with an appointed man who released it into the wilderness. Uh, the goat carried uh, on itself all the sins of the people, which were forgiven for another year. Mm. And I wanted to keep on going and, and make some connections with that, but then I looked and saw the next question, which is for you, Jason. <laughs> well, I think it is. Um, I heard from several people, like, either they didn't know that until... Um, just a few years ago or 
<laughs> that was the first time they've ever heard that on really? Sunday. And it's so that's why we're teaching the Old T- Testament. It's so imperative to see um, how all of this is pointing to Christ. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. They, if you didn't know, if no one, if, I would imagine most people have heard Day of Atonement in the Bible Belt, but if they haven't, like it's just a good thing to have some idea of what it was. Yeah. So. All right. All right. So to make those connections, how does Christ become our high priest? Question for you, Mr. Penn. Keep it simple. I'll read the, the passage in Hebrews 4 uh, that I did read Sunday. In verse 14, it says, Since then we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace um, to help in time of need. So, um, all of that being said, like King David, I've made this connection hundreds of times as we've gone through this book, but like King David, Christ is king of not just israel but all nations he rules Mm -hmm. everything his sovereignty is for eternity Um, and like the high priest ahimelech christ is the last and final high priest how can that possibly be um jesus it's twofold i mean one the I guess it's several folds, but in Hebrews 4, <laughs> it does mention like that he's sinless. He is the perfect sacrifice. Um, but how can that be? It's that Jesus is the high priest, but he's also the sacrifice. He's mm-hmm. both. It's both realities as what scripture. He's the lamb of God, but he's also the high priest. And the king. I mean, that's where you're getting all of He's the fulfillment of it all. Um, And just to be clear, I want to say this again. I said it Sunday, but just in case people know, don't know. The the sacrificial system of the Old Testament was not meant to forgive sins. Now, I think people might push back on me on that one. It was pointing to Christ who could forgive sins. Um, So... Anyways, I'm sure we could talk more about that, but we will not. So all that, we've got the high priest, high priest, how do we become a royal priesthood? Jason Baker. First uh, Peter 2, 9 through 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So um, just pulling out some words here. We're chosen. Um, we were called out of darkness into God's light because we were shown mercy. God showed us his mercy. He called us out. He chose us. And, um, you know, that's how we become a royal priesthood. God picked us. 
um, and, and poured his mercy out upon us so that we could become his priest. Awesome. All right. All of that's the introduction. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that was the setup uh, for uh, the message on Sunday and the passage. Three questions for the royal priesthood. Uh, one, will you be faithful? Let's see, Jason Payne, how did Ahimelech show faithfulness in 1 Samuel 21 and 22? Let me first say, I didn't say it on Sunday, that David is an example of faith. Ahimelech specifically mentioned that in chapter 22 when he responds to Ahimelech, or to Saul. Ahimelech talks about David's faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Ahimelech is also faithful in his service to those around him. You see that in his service to Saul, his service uh, to David, and he's faithful in, most importantly, in his service to the Lord as priest. He faithfully inquired uh, to the Lord about David, which also means David faithfully went to the priest to hear from the Lord, which if anyone's going to listen to this and attend Sunday, that's going to be very important to remember. David wants to hear what the Lord has to say. Yeah. So, all right, Fortner, why is faithfulness the only true mark of success for the believer? All right, I have um definition of faithful. Faithful means remaining loyal and steadfast. Um, if we look at 1 Corinthians Uh, Chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, it says, This how uh, one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of students, sorry, stewards, that they be found faithful. Um, When I was researching this question, I found found an article called, uh, What Does God Require? Uh, not success, but faithfulness. And it was by J.D. Greer. Hey, yeah. your boy, the <laughs> Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. Uh, but this is just a little snippet. I'm going to read it. And he said in this article, what God requires of you is not success, but faithfulness in what he has assigned to you. Ask yourself, what has Jesus called you to do? You aren't responsible to save the world but you are responsible to follow Christ in your situation. For a servant, success in life is identifying what God has called you to, has called you to and being completely faithful in it. Perfect. Sorry, these kids are... <laughs> the kids keep looking in the window, but I think they're standing on another kid. What is that? Is that in a little, little rascals? Little rascals. <laughs> yeah, they're little rascal in us. They're looking through the little tiny window. Um, yeah, no, that's really helpful. So let me take that a step further, Baker. What does a faithful Christian look like? What should that person look like? Okay. Um, I put that someone that adheres that the truth of God's word, um, they ad- adhere to the truth of God's word through their actions, their word, and their thoughts. Uh, we hold that the truths of God take precedence over all other things. Um, it drives our decisions, uh, as we saw even in, I think we'll get to, even in adverse situations. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, that is the central center of our lives. It's what drives us. It's what gives us hope. Um, we thrive off of, of God and his word. That's good. All right. Well, now everyone knows how to be faithful. So just be faithful. Um, easier said than done. So will you be truthful was the second one. All right, Jason Payne, uh, how did Ahimelech tell the truth? Three simple things that you see from um, when Saul confronts Ahimelech, Ahimelech responds. Um, he told the truth about David, which is a bold move. Mm. Um, I, 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 I fully believe at this point Ahimelech knows this is, things are not okay and Saul hates David yeah. and wants him dead. And Ahimelech stands up and tells the truth about David and his faithfulness uh, to Saul and to God's people. He tells the truth about his own actions. Again, another bold move. Like, I've, I haven't just inquired about David before the Lord once. Like, I've done a lot. So, and then he tells the truth about the situation, which... At the very end, um, he, it's 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 a plea from Ahimelech to like, hey, leave leave me out of this. Like, I didn't know y'all were had this much drama going on because David lies to Ahimelech in First Samuel twenty one about mm-hmm. his intentions of even being at Nob. Um, which when I when we taught that, I had said like maybe David lied to Ahimelech to protect him. Apparently it didn't work because yeah. they're all about to get slaughtered. Yeah. So there's that one. Um, I think this question might make sense. Maybe, hopefully you'll make it make sense. But I hope so. Why? Why was? Why must we love Christ? Talking about truth. Why must we love Christ? I I'm going to respond with why must we love Christ? And my question to you is how can we how can we not love Christ? Um, <laughs> But you wrote a, a verse down here. I'm going to read it. Let me read John 14, uh, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Um, Jesus is our only way to God. Um, and just a side note, I think a few weeks ago I'd mentioned this in another question. But here we have another one of the I am statements yeah. from Christ. Um, but also, Jesus is our Redeemer. Uh, if you want to look at John um, chapter 1, verse 29. Uh, Galatians 5.1, uh, Christ gives us freedom, if you want to look at that verse. Um, our salvation comes from placing our faith in Christ Jesus. I have Acts 4.12 says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And then I have one more verse here. Um, 1 John 4.19, um, we love because he first loved us. That's good. That's a good Solid answer. Y'all are doing well. Trio's back. Y'all are crushing it. (laughs) All right, let's see what you got. Next question is for you, Mr. Payne. (laughs) How does the word of truth sanctify us? That's from John 17, 17. Um, If people want to read that. I'm going to give a quote from um, D.L. Moody. He said, In our prayers, we talk to God. In our Bible study, God talks to us. And we had better let God do most of the talking. Mm. So, with that in mind, 
Let me answer, how does the word of truth sanctify us as we read it? Well, God speaks the truth into us. God speaks correction into us. So those are those two realities, just how to live your life, how to think, um, just the ethics of, of God, the character of God. Mm-hmm. Um, let me add another one, that God speaks um, himself, who he is into us. We get to, I guess that would be, maybe correction would be a better, instruction would be a better word. The last one is God speaks redemption into us. So as we read the Bible, we're constantly reminded of, of our lacking before holy God and God's answer to that in Christ. Um, that's what I get at. When I read the Old Testament, that's just a running theme. People struggle with the Old Testament because it is. It's a lot. It's, it's, it's a lot of names that you can't pronounce. It can be confusing. But if you have a mind like this is all showing God's people are lacking and they need something greater, like Christ is coming, Christ is coming. So um, reading the Bible is not some intellectual activity, um, although it at least in part should be. Um, but reading the Bible is a supernatural interaction with the Lord. doesn't mean you get goosebumps every time you read the Bible. Um, it just means that you're hearing from God more than anyone else, even yourself in that moment. So that's how it begins to sanctify us. So it's good. All right, deep. Well, I don't know about that, but all right, Baker, how do we proclaim that being said, how do we proclaim this truth to ourselves? Uh, first, we got to know the truth. So I would say, you know, we start in the word of God. Uh, with our minds, our hearts open to it. Um, And then, you know, just let those truths indwell in us. Um, Let the scripture be a mirror for us Mm -hmm. because we first need to weigh our own hearts, confront our own sins uh, before we, you know, embark on, you know, seeing other brothers and sisters and confronting them, you know, with, with the sins and that they have in their own lives. Um, so we've got to let, basically let it transform ourselves like you were talking about first and, um, you know, cling to that even over our own thoughts um, and prejudices even. So. Yeah, that's good. Hmm. Last question. Um, will you be fearless? Chris, how did Ahimelech show fear of God over fear of man? Uh, simple answer. Uh, he tells Saul the truth. Yep. Yeah. yeah. To his own demise and everyone yeah. else's. Um, trying to conf- convey that. I didn't, I don't think I conveyed it super well on Sunday, but so much easier to walk with integrity knowing it might just hurt you. It's a lot more difficult to do that, knowing it might hurt you and those you love, but you still gotta do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, a, a very simple example would be being to making a righteous decision at work, walking with integrity at work, knowing it might you might lose your job over it, 
and that's going to obviously impact you and your family, Mm -hmm. but you're fearing God over fearing man. That would be a very simple example of that being worked out. Uh, For you, uh, Jason Payne, uh, why should we fear God? So you can lose your job? No, I don't. Um, uh, let me read. Let me read the verse, Matthew ten twenty eight. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. F- rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. The beginning answer to that question is: Do you even believe that? Do you even believe it? And I think <clears throat> we struggle to believe it because we are living in a culture that doesn't even consider the reality of soul. It's just body. Everything's mm-hmm. about the now and self-gratification of the body. So that's not what we believe. There's a soul. If you, be- if you really believe that, um, then I think you would fear, I would hope you would fear God, who can not just destroy your body, but also your soul. And man can't do that. Man can kill you but they can't kill your soul. Um, I think that's probably why we struggle with the most. We're just not, in 2023 America, we just think we've got life figured out and um, we're not considering soul. You wanna hear a random thought I've had? This has nothing to do with this. I was, <laughs> I was thinking yesterday, um, like why, why are we so like anxious and messed up mentally? now right now i'm like the you're looking at stats this is the safest time to ever live in all of human history like statistically things are better now than they were a hundred years ago as far as like your safety people dying things like that Um, like why is it that the more comfortable we get the more anxious and restless we become and i think the the answer to that is that as we've become more comfortable the more we've been in tune to like oh there's something wrong inside of us like it wasn't that it's us like that should be the answer um so that's why you have celebrities all these people they got everything they could possibly they could buy anything they ever want Comfort is always there, and for most of us, comfort is always there, and we still are stressed out. You're like, what do you got to be stressed out about? Because there's something wrong with your soul hmm. that no comfort can answer. So, anyways, that was soul talk. Let me go back to the question. Uh, why should we fear God? Um, let me say this. It doesn't mean you don't respect people. I think people take that. I don't fear. I don't fear man. I fear God. And I'm like that doesn't give you a right to be a jerk. Um, we lovingly listen to others, even if we don't agree with them. Um, it, it it means though that we're not going to let people become the god of, over our thoughts and our actions. And I constantly battle this in ministry. Um, I don't come out and say like I fear people, like I fear the congregation. I don't say that. Um, I say, I just want everyone to feel connected and ministered to. And some of that desire is good, but it quickly switches over to, well, I got to make everyone happy or they'll leave the church. And that's a fear of 
um, man over fear of God. And let me throw out a little quote. People may not, um, or they might be surprised by it. Um, I was just snooping around on Facebook uh, last week or the week before, and uh, Boone's Creek Christian Church in Johnson City. Uh, David Clark, their pastor, I guess officially retired. They did like a whole service. I don't know if it was Sunday. I don't know what they did, but it was like a goodbye to David Clark, and they interviewed him, and someone asked him like what he wish he would have known at the beginning of ministry or what would he tell his younger self something like that and like with like choked up tears in his eyes says i wish i would have feared god over man and i was like that's that's some solid wisdom from a guy that just got done with full-time vocational ministry at, at least in that local church so anyways Oh, here we go. Baker, should Christians ever be afraid? <laughs> uh, <laughs> afraid I also, also had Matthew 10, 28, um, but I also have uh, 1 Samuel 12, verse 24. It says, Only fear the Lord and serve Him faithfully with all your heart, for consider what great things He has done for you. And so I would dis- distinguish, this might be nitpicking, but distinguish between fear and being afraid. Um, you know, I think as Christians, we are to fear the Lord, which knowing the power he has, but, you know, that's more of a reverence and acknowledging who God is. Um, you know, I think repeatedly in scripture, we're told not to be afraid though, as far as, you know, thinking about earthly things, being afraid of other people, of things. Um, so I would say no. But on the flip side of that, you know, realizing who we serve and having that reverence for God, knowing that he is in control. Yeah. That should be a comfort for us. Yeah. And there's a, there, there is a good, like God has given us that emotion, feeling yeah. um, in uncomfortable, difficult times, certainly for us to think about him. But there's nothing wrong with like, you're like, oh, this feels like it's going to be bad. And preparing yourself, protecting yourself is a normal, good response as well. You just say making sure that you're not doing that because you're feeding fear. You're not stockpiling the gallons of that food that lasts for 50 years. So you're afraid like the world's going to end. Um, so sorry if anyone's doing that. More power to you. Just, I'll probably be at your house when <laughs> when it all goes down. So, all right. Um, the main point: fear not. Christ is the living one. From Revelation one seventeen through eighteen. Just kind of a recap, because everyone that I know of, or at least everyone on Facebook, a lot of end times oh, talk. Yeah. Um, why shouldn't Christians fear the end times? Uh, we. When we place our faith in Christ Jesus, uh, he who has conquered death, uh, he has promised us eternal life in him. He has redeemed us, redeemed us and he's um, continually restoring us. I have 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God gave us the spirit, not of fear, 
but of power and love and self-control. First uh, John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. John 14.1, uh, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. First uh, Peter 5.7, Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And finally, Matthew 24.35 says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Yeah. Yeah. Can I say something to that that bothers me that I've seen this past week? The amount of times like Christians seem a little giddy about the end times Mm -hmm. is dumb um, and sinful. Like your anticipation for the return of Christ is just Christ. Just say that. Like, just say, I'm ready for Jesus to return and make everything better. But this, like, watching things and events unfold and then you are excited or, like, it's exciting because it might mean Jesus is returning. I'm like, do you not understand that, that how many, like, souls are being killed apart from Christ and you're, like, just pumped because it's not you? Like, I it, to me, it's... You want to be excited and anticipate with excitement. Keep that towards Christ and not like the results of the apocalypse. It just makes us look like psychotic Christians. Um, so, and certainly not loving. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that was my rant. Um, let's talk about baseball. <laughs> it's over. This podcast is over, but. Uh, you specifically mentioned we did this question a few oh, we weeks ago or last week. I know, and I said the Braves, and you said I said the Dodgers, and they both lost. Both, I mean, but again, we statistically we did well. I mean, it's crazy that all these teams lost. So as of right now, who's going to win the World Series? Let's repick. What do you think? I had to Google to see who's left because I don't watch sports. Would. I knew you would. <laughs> last night, like, I'm Alexa, like, who's left? Alexa, pick up. <laughs> yeah. And so I guess, you know, I mean, there's a guy on there that's local and actually went to the elementary school that I work at. So I guess I'll go with the Rangers. All right, Rangers. So. Um, I think it's going to come down to the Rangers and the Phillies. Yeah. And? I think I, the Phillies are going to be hard to beat. They're yeah. on fire. Uh, but I'm pulling. I'm jumping on the bandwagon. I'm pulling for the Rangers. All right. We're all three Rangers, <laughs> which means we have officially cursed this team to lose. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I put Rangers, but knowing, like, I man, Bryce Harper is just getting on my nerves, and Phillies have just been unstoppable. 10-0. Yeah, they're, they're going to – my only hope is that, like, gives them – some just obnoxious arrogance and they walk in there and the Rangers Rangers got some solid pitching too so mm-hmm. they probably won't do 10-0 on the Rangers but we'll find out alright the kids have returned I don't know where they've been probably doing destroying <laughs> something in this church they're running yeah. so. alright who wants to pray we'll be done I'll do it right. dear Heavenly Father Lord just thank you for this day we thank you for this time that we get to discuss your word and uh, just pray that uh, this may be edifying and somebody will will glean something from this, Lord. Just lead us and guide us in your ways. 
and watch over and protect us, Lord, and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.